So the main reason I'm bringing you, Haley, on this episode is because we both had very similar events happen in our lives almost at a very similar time, but with different results, Mm -hmm. I would say, in totally different circumstances. And the similarity was we both um, had major breakups. Yes. And you are in the marriage realm of things. I'm in the non-marriage realm of things. But I was with my girlfriend for six and a half years. You were with your um, husband, soon to be Mm ex-husband. You guys are in divorce proceedings for how long? Uh, On and off for 12 years, married. We just actually had our eighth anniversary. Your eighth anniversary. Yeah. And like, I think we both have digested the whole aspect of like ending relationships pretty well. It seems like you're doing okay with it. I was like a mess at first, but I think I'm also finding out who I am after the relationship ended and everything. But my big question to start this all out is I've been thinking a lot about like marriage Mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And I was married really young. I got married when I was 23 and I was in a relationship with that, uh, my ex-wife before that for four years prior. Mm -hmm. So getting married at 23 and then divorced at 26, I often have been finding myself thinking, I don't think people should get married till they're 30 (laughs) years old or older. Yeah. (laughs) What do you feel about that? So I feel like because we had my daughter before we got married and it was uh, in my mind, especially in Utah, where you're like, I want to give my kid the perfect family. I don't want them to have like the broken family. Mm-hmm. And so it was a fake it till you make it type thing. And you can only fake it for so long until you're like, I'm not myself. I'm not happy. I can't do this anymore. And... It hurts them, but I mean, I still have my three monsters that are the best thing ever. They're the only thing that actually, like, you had rough times when you split up, Mm -hmm. and it's not easy. Yeah. Like, I have days, but they help you. Sorry. No, don't, don't. It's, It's very hard. Every one of my ends of relationships that I've had in my past have just tore me up like yeah. immensely. And so I can't imagine what you're going through because not only was your relationship very long, but it's also a marriage and ending a marriage is a lot harder. I remember when like I initially uh, got in my first uh, like not spat but when I realized like I'm getting divorced Mm -hmm. at 26 it was like this isn't supposed to happen like divorce to me yeah no like I can't get divorced like this you know but then you realize like you said that your happiness depends on it and then it it Mm -hmm. takes two to stay in a relationship and to stay married and and two if you don't have like the commitment and the work with both partners it's bound to fail or you stay together which my parents did for god 20 years and they hated each other i mean and the impact that had on me going forward through my life where is i had to grow up in a broken home where my parents were 
I would say happily married for probably two or three months. <laughs> That's me speculating because all I remember of my parents were, you know, bickering, fighting. You they know. resented each other. Exactly. Um, all the way up till they finally divorced at, when I was 18. Finally split ways. It was right around my birthday. I remember it very well. And I remember my mom was like asking me, she was like, what do you think about me and your dad getting divorced now? I was like, I wish you guys would have done this sooner. So I didn't have to go through it. Yeah, yeah. because like you guys stayed together, I think partially for comfort, mm -hmm. but I think they also stayed together partially for like, we have a kid together, we got, you know, and it's like that to me it's not is an not a good thing to do. Yeah, Like you, I would have survived just fine having parents that, parented me from two separate areas i i think i'm speculating <laughs> because i don't know but seeing what i went through as a child going through all of that was like this sucks like my parents hate each other and i'm i know when i would see other people's parents and how they interact i was like my parents don't do that mm -hmm. shit the last four years of their marriage they literally slept in separate rooms and it was just crazy to me that they stayed together so long. So circling back to like when I was getting divorced, I didn't want to get divorced. But uh, my wife hadn't been fully honest about what she was doing. And she had like an affair. And it tore me up and like ruined me in the way of like my ego was like blown away. Like, you know. And I remember confronting her about it. And she said, no, you have nothing to worry about. No, this isn't it. No, no, no. And then when the typical I... Typical lines. Yeah. And then when I actually had evidence of what was going on, I still didn't really want to end the marriage. But she was like, yeah, this is, this is done. And I think we both realized that it was done. Yeah. And people expected me to have like a ton of hate and resentment towards her, which initially I did because I was like, you bastard. Like, like you destroyed me. Yeah. And it, it wasn't the fact that she had the affair that destroyed me. It was the fact that the person that she was having an affair on with me with was probably, I would say they'd probably been up to it for at least a year. Oh, wow. And so, and again, this is me speculating because I don't concretely know. But um, when it ended, like, in my initial, like, healing period and everything, after I got over it all, I was like, whatever. You know, people people cheat, people fall in love, people do all these things. And I, I found that, like, forgiveness helped me heal a lot more than resenting her. Like, people were kind of like, you don't hate your ex-wife for, <laughs> you know, cheating on you? And I was like, no, not really. People are human. We make human mistakes. It's part of the human condition. I wish you would have been honest with me when we first confronted these problems and not continually lied due to whatever she was doing, you yeah. know, trying to either spare my feelings or not feel like total garbage or let other people know, you know, whatever it was. But I was like, I don't hate her. I don't resent her. You know, I just, it happened. Yeah. It took me a while to get to that point. But after I got to that point, it was like, it's okay. Like, I, I forgive her. Like, it's not a big deal. I wish nothing for the best for her. Just where, not with me. Yeah, just not with me. And where some people get, like, super, like, I would consider, like, 
toxically angry. Like they can't let the shit go. They're like, no, no, no. You know? Oh, like my ex <laughs> who, who everything you went through is saying that I did and I, and you haven't. No. And he, he's convinced that our marriage fell apart because of me having a friend that supported me that would help me grow a backbone to him. And I told him, no, it's because you ignore me. You choose others over me. Like, I'm always the last. I'm always the one begging you to stay with me. I'm begging you to forgive me. That's why I'm done. That's why I checked out. And it wasn't until right before Christmas, I we got into a fight. And I went back home and I was begging him on my knees, crying in front of my kids. Work with me. Let's fix this. And he thought I looked at me and said, no. I don't want to be with you. And I was like, okay. In that moment, I was like, I just let my kids watch me grovel at this man's feet. Mm -hmm. That's not my personality at all. And so that's when I was like, okay, I'm done. And once someone's done emotionally, it's, it, that's, there's no going back. Was that like the aha moment to mm -hmm. you that was like, it's just gotta. Yes. Be, yeah. And then we were, like, then I'd have it to where I was like, well, maybe I'm, you know, reacting with emotions and I'm not thinking this through. And then he would be good for like a week and then it would blow up even massive. Like it was, it would get bad to the point that my kids would be under a bed hiding because he'd be screaming at me. And then he up and left but in March and we just went on with life. Like nothing changed how everything had been and my kids are like it's not even different like it doesn't seem like dad's not here because when he was here it wasn't like he was here you're the one that always does everything and I'm like in that moment I was like yeah I really like I have help but I I don't it's it's not the same like it used to be when we both were like hands-on the kids will walk right past him and come to me which I know it's a typical kids always go to mom yeah, the, the nurturing factor that females have over their children. Yeah, and they always go up to dad and where's mom? But it's like when they don't even notice that he's not coming home every night and it's just me and them, I'm like, why can't I do this? I've always been told I couldn't do it on my own. And I finally decided that instead of fighting all the time and crying and like I used to lie to them and tell them because I'd cry because of things and they'd be like, why are you crying? And I'm like, oh, mom's just crying just to cry. No reason. Yeah. And I started seeing it in, like affect them negatively, like bad. And so I was like, hey, enough's enough. And now I've been, he moved back in and I moved out at the end of May. And my kids are like, you're happy. And they all, all the time, they just want to be with mom. They, I'm, I'm back to being the mom that they used to have all the time. Did you find that um, when that aha moment of divorce is what's got to happen to me for my life and my children, did you find that really daunting? Like when I realized I was like, okay, we're going to have to get a divorce. I felt like a little bit of shame, like a failure a little bit. 
But at the same time, there was like a resolve to like, okay, I know where to go from here. Whereas before with my marriage, it was like, I was always playing these games in my head. Is this happening? Is it not? Am I, you know, am I going crazy? Like what's Mm -hmm. going on? And I'm no saint. Like I will be the first to admit that I've been cheated on and I've been a cheater. So I know both realms of those games that go on in your head, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, and I've been open on this podcast about like the, one of the reasons that I had to get sober years ago was because I was a cheater. I had committed a very like atrocious act, a human mistake, but to me it was like terrible to do that to someone. And that's when I had to take that realization as well and be like, you need to get your head straight. You need to get sober. You need to be more for this person. Um, but like, I, I do remember like it was super daunting when I was getting divorced at 26. And like, I compared myself to like my other friends (laughs) and was like, they're all in happy relationships and I'm getting a divorce and Mm -hmm. like, what am I going to do? So did you have like a moment like that where you were like, can I make this work? It was not. So I felt bad that my kids, like it, it got to me that my kids weren't going to have like a single home and stuff because I grew up in a broken home. And I think that's the only negative thing because I mean, he's left before. I've made it work without him. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm one of those that it's a, if I got to get it done, I got to get it done. It is what it is. But I felt more relief than anything. I didn't, it, I don't like feeling like a child, like where, like with our job, how field trips run late. Mm-hmm. I would have to explain why. And I'd have to explain who I was with and where we were at. And I'd always get told that like, my job's not a real job. My job is I'm I'm hanging out with friends. And I'm like, but I'm being paid to hang out with my friends, I guess. It just sounds like a perk of the job. I know. <laughs> and it's like so and it it I don't have someone checking every everything I'm doing. And it's it's a relief. The fact that I can actually be an adult and be like, yeah, like I'm going over to Marcus's house today to do a podcast. And in fact he was questioning me what I was doing. Well, not questioning. He was like, do you want to come to dinner? And that's his way of asking, what are you doing? Oh, I, I got you. So it's, there's still a little bit I don't know of how, that. I don't know how that feeling is because luckily, like all of my exes I've ever had, I don't wish them any ill will. And most of my relationships that have ended, even the marriage kind of happened amicably at the very end yeah but i've never had to and i know it would drive me nuts Mm. to have someone wanting to know where i'm at keeping tabs on me yes that would make me go crazy it remember when you were a kid and you go out drinking and be dying in a field and then you were scared you're gonna smell like alcohol when you came home the next day yeah it's like that (laughs) you're like can he smell my friends on me you know what i mean yeah it it's it gives you anxiety but at the same time, it's like now I'm like, I, I can go home when I want to. I can go to dinner with, like I went to dinner with my brother and I didn't have to call and check and make sure it's okay. I mean, so a lot of it, besides like the field trips, like when I'd go do stuff, like we had, it was kind of like a respect thing in our relationship. Like yeah. he, I'm just going to not, not go home. I would be like, hey, I got this going on and be like, is that okay? Because it, it is respect, but it's 
the detailed questions that I'd have to answer of exactly who was there and what we were doing. That type of stuff. It's like, I don't have to do that anymore. Well, that, that's, that's cool that you don't have to do that because I know like trying to keep a itinerary of my minute by minute, <laughs> that would just drive me crazy. Cause I'm naturally just like a free spirited, free thinking individual and I'll end up God, wherever talking to whoever. Mm-hmm. So I've always tried to, um, also give that to whoever my partner is. Like I don't like, hey, where? and like you said, there is that respect issue that you do have to have. And when you have kids too, it's, Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Um, you brought up something that strikes a chord with me because we both work in the same profession of transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you said is your husband considered your job, not a real job. Yeah. I had that exact same line thrown basically at me, not the exact same line. It was, I didn't know, like, what was it she said? It was something along the lines of my job doesn't have the same amount of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't understand. And it made me feel like my job was being so demeaned. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, when I'm in a relationship with someone, I don't care what they do. As long as they're doing something Mm -hmm. that brings them joy. And, you know, even if they're doing something that doesn't bring them joy, I'm there to support them and get them into a better position. Yeah. But I'm never like, you don't have a real job because you don't make X amount of money or blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And I remember when she said that to me, I like looked at, because I was going to marriage counseling at this time. And I like looked at the counselor and was like, is that fair to say? (laughs) Isn't that, isn't that argumentative? We shouldn't be talking about this right now. (laughs) No, it, so... His job is complex. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got to splice cables and stuff like that. And, yeah, he's very physical and stuff like that. Like, the hard thing for me is it's, like, his is difficult, but mine's also difficult. Like, it, it doesn't feel difficult anymore because I've been doing it forever. But at the same time, like, when people start adding, like, talking about, well, you're responsible for this and this and this, you're like, oh, I am. Like, you, you know you are, but you're like, I never think about that like I know that my number one thing at work is keep the kids safe that's my only priority yeah everyone else on the road can do whatever they want as long as the kids on my bus and kids around me are safe and like I think also as being a mom it doesn't seem like it's it doesn't weigh on me just because it's like natural it comes natural when you're a parent because you keep your kids safe and then kids around you like Everywhere I go, if I see a kid that's going to get... Like today, I had a little girl face plant coming out of the school and got a goose egg on her head. And so, like, I just grabbed her and held her. And I was like, okay, let's go get on the bus now. You're okay. Yeah. And got her ice and stuff. And it's just what you do. You know what I mean? No, I totally get it. When she had made that comment, it it took me down, like, four rungs and made me feel, like, really crappy. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, maybe she's right. Because I was... We don't make that much money, I mean, realistically. But then I was like, wait, I have to do this, 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 this. The public's entrusting me with this, this, and this. Like, all of these things. It's a very important job. Yeah. People, like, and it's so corny when people say, like, you're the first impression and last impression of the day. Like, it it is true. I've had some, some stories from kids that I was the best part of their day i was the only positive influence that they had in the day oh yeah and so it's like 
You might think little of me, but these kids don't. No, I I totally agree. Um, there's there's moments in because we've been both doing it quite a while now. Yeah, and you all like if you do it for a while, you'll have those pivotal moments that really just strike a chord in your heart and say, okay, this is why I do it. Some days you want to pull your hair out of your head. Most days, most days you're like, why did I do this as a, why did I make this life choice? And then other days you're like, oh, that's why, that's why. So do you think it's better kind of circling back to my big question that I started this with, do you think it's better for people like to wait to get married a little later in life rather than because let's face it in the culture we live in here in Utah, it's very, or at least seems very encouraged and not just in the LDS faith. I'm not just to get pick, married. Right yeah. Away. I'm not picking on Mormons or any of that, but it seems because I know non Mormon people that have gotten married real quickly out of high school. And I'm like, Oh, like God, you guys, your yeah. frontal cortex hasn't even formed in your brain yet. <laughs> I, yeah, I think people should wait. I think they should wait because like even with, so we got, we started dating on and off since 2010 and you really don't know, like it, I feel like you should wait till the seven year mark. You know how they say the seven year itch or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you live together fully for seven years, then by that point, you've known the person. And it's like, okay, if you can't handle them or they irritate you bad enough, don't do it. It's not worth it. That's so much more paperwork. It costs so much more to get divorced. I get it. Like, everyone should be married before they have kids. Everyone should be married before they live together. No, don't do it. Uh, yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Because I, I even think about who I was when I was 18 when we got together. Mm-hmm. Then... 18 or 19, somewhere around there. And then who I was at 23 and then who I was now, I've changed so much as a human over these years, going through different life experiences and things. But definitely from the age of 20 to, I would say about 20 to 30, I just changed a ton. Oh, yeah. Well, you've known me for years. Yeah. And have I changed in your eyes? Oh, yeah. And we both have immensely. I feel like teens, you don't know what you're doing. Twenties, you're like, I'm an adult, but you, you're, you're technically legally an adult that can make those big marriage life decisions. They should not let you. Yeah, they should make you wait. <laughs> I feel like around thirty. Yeah, that's so. I've I've been telling everyone that. Like I'm like this little. I feel like I'm preaching sometimes because <laughs> anti-marriage preaching I, till I'm, you're 30 i am not anti well <laughs> till you're 30 till you're 30 and even then like i don't ever want to tell someone what they should and should not do with their lives well because it I, works for some people yeah there, it does there are people that are happily married that got married right out of high school and they're doing great but i think whether they would have waited or not, it probably wouldn't have affected it. Mm-hmm. But like for most of us, like let's face it, I think the stat is 55% of marriages end in divorce. Mm-hmm. And then an astonishing number on top of that are just unhappy marriages that they just stay, they just stay together for, com- for yeah. comfort, kids, thing, fear of being alone, things of that. Mm-hmm. Because I think that was one of my downfalls in my latest relationship is I was, a, I will admit, terrified to be alone. Like that was a crazy thing. And so I had to process that emotion as well. But going through like your 20s, you, you're figuring out so much about yourself. 
that I'm just this, like I'm talking, I find myself talking with younger people like around 23 when I got married. In fact, I was just dealing with one not too long ago and I was like, just wait to get married. Don't yeah. rush into it, dude. Just wait. You've been dating this person for six months. I know you're in love and I'm not discounting any of that. And love does not last forever. It's called honeymoon stage. Yeah, there is a honeymoon stage with every relationship. Yes. Once that honeymoon stage starts to end, and you can always feel it, that's when I think the true relationship starts to begin. Yeah. And it's like, wait to get over some of these hurdles because the financial aspects of marriage and then undoing marriage, you, you're probably mm -hmm. figuring out how expensive that can be. Oh, yeah. Is so huge, and there's nothing wrong with just staying together, and then getting married later. It, see, and it's it did cross my mind for a while because, like you said, we don't make very much, mm -hmm. and so having three kids, especially living in Utah with the way the economy is right now, it's like it's easier to stay together to afford life, and like my whole marriage wasn't miserable yeah we had amazing times i just feel like i finally grew into who i am and who i am and who he is we have not very many we have children in common that we love that's our that's our common ground is our kids i i couldn't other than that nothing i couldn't agree more and that was one of the things that um with my last relationship that never got married we were together for six and a half years and i still love that person oh, yeah. immensely it's a different type of love you're though. not it it's you love them you're not in love mm -hmm. with them and i had just i had seen our paths um through faults of both of us kind of diverge a little well, bit well and she's younger and so it's kind of like when you were that age you you know you grew you hit growth spurts too it, per se it's insane isn't it because like if someone was to tell me that back then i'd be like no yeah. but i'm like because people have told me dude you'll change a little bit in your 30s i'm like no i'm 27 <laughs> i know what the hell i'm doing now now i'm 33 i'm like holy cow i'm not even the same person i was when i was 27 i'm not even the same person i was last year <laughs> <laughs> it's a well you can do concrete things that really change you like me getting sober was like a huge life-changing event. And that's amazing. It's hard. It extremely hard. And I was, I always called myself the most responsible alcoholic because <laughs> like Monday through Friday, I wouldn't drink because the job we do, I can't come to work and operate vehicles under the influence or hope it's out of my system or anything like that. So Monday through Friday, I was straight notes like, uh -uh, not playing that game. And I wouldn't, I was also one of those people, like, if I had one beer, I was like, I can't drive. Yep, that's me. Yep. I was like, can't drive. I had a beer. Nope. And people are like, dude, it's just, I don't care if it's 30.2% Utah beer that we used to have. I was like, not driving. Nope. But when Friday and Saturday would hit, I was like, party. Woo. The Uber was invented for you. <laughs> you were a 48 bender. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. They, that's a good, good phrase for it. But when I stopped that, doing that, it's amazing how much... I changed from that point too, even with like the people, because you quickly start to figure out like, I don't want to say who's your real friends and who's not, but it's like you were there for certain reasons and yeah, you were there for others. And it's like I don't have that commonality anymore with like partying and stuff because mm -hmm. it's just not me. So I grew to 
hang out with different people, different experiences. Well, you know me. I'm like, I'm kind of a free floater. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, like I, when I, I do party, very rarely. Yeah. Like you guys would invite me to parties all the time and I came like once, twice, maybe. And the times I have seen you either at our parties or your parties at your home, you're pretty responsible. You're I try not, to, I try to be. You're not one of those, uh out of control partiers drinking blah 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 no i just sit on your kitchen floor talking (laughs) talking shit telling stories and i end up becoming the social butterfly and i go around talking to everyone (laughs) and um making sometimes terrible decisions that i had to live with and still live with but you know but you learn some people do stuff like that like i'm not perfect Mm -hmm. and i'm i know that drinking i've made dumb decisions i know in my personal love life i've made dumb decisions and in my regular life like everyone makes mistakes well and i think that's something that's so important that some couples when they like separate Mm -hmm. they don't a lot of them like to place all blame on one person and that was nice with like my recent um i mean not recent it's been six months now um but the separation that was really interesting we kept it very low-key we didn't go on facebook and bash each other we didn't make these make people aware because we we just wanted to separate and not have the drama that other people like to insert Mm -hmm. into your life oh and you need to do this and you see we were very we were very hateful at first we were very go for the throat and my like when i left i basically told him i want nothing like materialistic things mean nothing to me the only thing i care about is my kids i didn't take beds i took clothes and a like handful of furniture things i left their bed their bedrooms all intact his bedroom all intact i took my stuff and a couple things i went and got new everything else because i I'm the one that decided to leave. He thinks that I left for another man, which I didn't. He thinks that, but I really left for me. And so it wasn't, I didn't want to disrupt my kids' home life there because I decided I needed out. And like I decided I needed out for them and for me because I, I struggle with things and things eat me alive basically. And I, I, was going down a dark rabbit hole and I wanted to not do that anymore. And so I restarted everything basically. And it it has its days that are really, really rough, but I don't hate him. We went to parent-teacher conferences last night and got along pretty good. Well, I think that's awesome. Yeah, we, we do co-parent amazingly. Like us as individuals, we don't really have anything in common and but as parents like I know for a fact like if I tell my daughter you're grounded and she'll be like okay well I'm going back to dad's and I'm like hey dad she's grounded he's like okay she's grounded here too like we we work really well together and so far for like the scheduling with the kids we we work together for the most part like his job he'll have like a day off during the week which means he works on the weekend and we're doing week on week off right now. Mm -hmm. And so 
if he has the day off during the week on my week, he'll be like, hey, can I have the kids so I can see him? Because I'm not going to have them on Saturday when it's my time because I work. And I'll be like, yeah, that's fine. Like holidays, stuff like that. I've, I want to stick to, yeah, we'll work together because it's not about me and him not being together in like a romantic relationship. We are friends. And I tell him all the time, I want to be friends because my, my stepdad's mom and dad, they've been divorced for years Mm -hmm. and they're both married to other people and they go on vacations together. They have, we do all holidays with both of them and like everyone's happy. They weren't happy married, but they're happy and they can be around each other. And I'm like, I tell them all the time, I want that. I want it to where our kids have us both and it's not awkward. And like, we can both see them open up stuff on Christmas. Like I, you can come to me, I can come to you, but they want both of us. They don't want half with me, half with you. They want, they want us both. And that's my priority is them. That's all that I focus on. I work when I don't have them. I work all the time. Like, all the time. Yeah, you picked up a second job now, right? No, I quit. Oh, did you quit? (laughs) I quit because of field trips. Oh, okay. So you're doing a lot of field trips and stuff. Yeah. So I do late night ones. So I do the ones after work. So when I don't have them, it's like I'm not getting home until like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I literally go home, go to bed. Because I'm trying to do it to where... When I, the weeks I don't have them is when I work all the time. Okay. And so that the weeks that I do have them, then they're with me and I can actually spend time with them. That way financially I'm good and then they're good too. Well, that's, that's really commendable because like me and my ex, we still have this really good friendship and relationship. Mm -hmm. She, she was over here just the other night doing a podcast with me. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's... She's a sweetheart. Yeah, and it it works well. And we, and this is going to sound so stupid, but we co-dog parent really well. <laughs> it's it's kind of the same. Like, he has my dogs, and that because where I live, I don't have a yard, and my mm-hmm. dogs, they need a yard. But I have his cat. Yeah, and it, yeah, we, we, like, when I go on, like, a trip or something, she watches I'm not even going to say my dogs because they're her dogs too, Gizmo and Vader. And then in the same light, I do the same with Charlie and she got a new dog, Toby, which I'm like, I'll watch him too. And like, I'll have another step dog. Yeah. It's, it's funny, but I see so many people sometimes weaponize things and it's Mm -hmm. really sad when they weaponize children. Well, cause it's, they think that it's hurting the other parent. The only person it's hurting is the kids. Mm -hmm. Like, when and him and I both are guilty I know that when we get really upset with each other we get really short and like very like if we're around each other and we're fighting and that like we try we don't fight in front of the kids anymore because they've had enough damage literally enough damage from that that we'll be like okay it's time to go and we'll just pull them like doesn't matter if they have their shoes on all the way or not we're dragging them out and or it's like we got into a little bit of a disagreement the other day and uh, we drove to go get Powerball tickets, of course, because we live in Utah and we can't do that here. <laughs> um, and we left happy and we had a very interesting, not productive conversation on the drive there and back. And it got to where I pulled up, dropped him off and left. And I called my kids to tell them goodnight. 
And they're like, well, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I went home. And then you got to do the whole, oh, I just, I really need to go to bed. Yeah. And that, and then my daughter spouts off and she's like, I know what you did last night. And I'm like, what did I do? And she goes, you and dad went and filed for divorce. And I'm like, no, sweetheart, we went and bought Powerball tickets. And she goes, but why was dad crying? And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes he just cries. Like trying, like she's too little. She doesn't even understand. How old is your daughter? Your oldest daughter? 10. 10. She's still too young. I, <laughs> I won't even pass any judgment or anything there. Cause I don't have kids myself. And I think that's a real parent by parent basis and kid by kid basis. It's, it's big kid drama. Like, I feel like I'm too young for this drama. <laughs> yeah. But it's like when she is involved or she does hear conversations, you can see, like, even in my kids playing, like, when my two boys play together, when him and I are arguing, if you look over and watch them, they start fighting in their playing. Mm-hmm. Like, kids fight. But, yeah. like, when they're playing, they play aggressively. And it they mimic you even without like they're not fully like watching exactly what you're doing but it's still they're sponges and so when you guys are being aggressive to each other or like no we've never been physical yeah but like when we're yelling at each other because we both do and we both say very hateful things they take it in and they start using it and it's it's damaging to them because like when you're a kid that's where you basically absorb what you're going to do when you're older, I believe. Well, Anyways. and I think what you're saying right there is it takes a lot to recognize your own bad behaviors yep. and to take corrective action. So my parents, when I was growing up, they didn't give a damn. Who when, heard? Yep, who heard. Really? And they would. I remember they they weren't very physically violent. There were times where I wouldn't say I never seen my dad hit my mom at all, but um, I did see my mom on a few occasions throw like a plate across the room, not even in his like to hit him, but just out of frustration. That's still physical, though. And me at this time, a lot of that started coming out when I was around. 11 12 13 trying to process like oh my god my parents hate each other Mm -hmm. it had long lasting effects that still to this day i'm doing a lot of journaling lately and writing down old thoughts that i'm like is that why i am this way is this (laughs) why i have these tendencies and problems and so i wish my parents would have done a lot more self-reflection realized what they were doing see i I had a rough childhood. My mom, she's a winner. She's a winner. She's a drug addict. And I got stuck with her. And she used to use us as a weapon. And that's one big reason that I will never do that. Like, well, it's not right anyways. But we were, my mom used to hide us for months on end from my dad. So he couldn't see us. Really? Yes. And so it's like when my kids are like, I want to see dad, I will call him. I'll be like, hey. They want you. Okay. Can we, you want to go to dinner with us? Do you want this? Do you, you know, just so they can have him. Cause I will never keep them from him because I, I was the one that was kept. And it, she used to also tell us that my dad didn't love us and he was the one not trying, not that she was hiding us, not that we were bouncing from 
town to town. Literally, we moved 36 times in nine years. Wow. Not that we were bouncing, hiding from my dad. He didn't want us. And so it's like whenever my kids like have any negative about their dad, I'm like, your dad loves you. And they'll be like, well, I don't want to go to dad's. I'm like, but dad misses you. And they're like, but I'll miss you. I'm like, well, but he misses you like I miss you. Mm-hmm. Like dad, dad wants to be with you too. And, and I think he does it too. That And even when we're fighting, we'll be like, but your dad loves you. Because our youngest, he's four. And a lot of the aggression, I guess, that him, my ex and I would give to each other and like show to each other in front of our kids, mm-hmm. my youngest shows it all. He, I feel like he has two moods. He's either super loving or super I hate you. Like, he'll tell me all the time that he's going to run away from me. He's never coming back. He wishes I wasn't his mom. He always tells us that we're bad parents and stuff like that because we didn't give him a candy bar. <laughs> like, dude, you're 80 pounds and you're four. Like, yes, you're not fat, but you don't need another candy bar. <laughs> and so he gets mad and he tells us that. And we're like, but we love you. Like, we love you. And he, I don't know, he's, he honestly is probably the thing that made me realize what I was doing, what the fighting, what the damage that fighting was doing, especially in front of him. Even when they're in a room, they can hear you. And I didn't realize the toll I'd already taken on him. And so watching him react to those things and how he is literally mimicking things that have happened in his life, like between me and his dad, I'm like... I caused that. I damaged him a little bit, a lot probably, but it's like now I can do my best to erase it or to show him like that wasn't the correct behavior. And so um, one of our coworkers, Sean, my friend, mm-hmm. um, he's taught me a lot how to handle him. And because my other two, they're quiet. Well, they were quiet and you know, do what you say. Yes, they had temper tantrums, but they weren't anything like my youngest. And he's taught me a lot that you, you inform him he has choices. So with when he's going in his meltdowns and that, I'm like, okay, bud, like we got choices here. Are the choices we're making right now good ones or bad ones? And he'll be like, they're bad. I'm like, well, do we want to make good ones? Like, how do we feel when we're happy? Do we feel good inside? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, how do we feel when we're mad and we're screaming at each other? Do we feel good inside? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, don't we want to feel good inside and be happy and have fun together? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, so then what choice are we going to make? He's like, not be mad. And then he's back to being happy. It's crazy. Cause like before I could never pull him out of it. He would just keep going and going until I was like, okay, go to bed. Like I can't can't do this anymore with you and now he's like let's be happy then like even today he got mad because i wouldn't give him my phone because they went on the bus with me mm-hmm. and i wouldn't give him my phone because his tablet was at 23 percent. i was like no you're fine he's like no i'm not and he started getting mad i'm like dude like you can just sit there like if we want to make these choices like you can just sit there and be quiet and ride on the bus and not have anybody or you can just play on your tablet and be happy. He's like, I'll play on my tablet then. That's a very that's very interesting advice that I would have never thought of, the whole choice factor. Well, it is a choice to be mad. No one can make you be anything you don't want to be. Yeah. People don't control your emotions. You do. 
yeah, they do things that like, tr- like I guess trigger, but it's still not. It's all you. It's like that thing. If you wake up and say, I'm going to have a good day and you should keep telling yourself that you're going to have a good day. Yeah. I've been trying to actively do that in my life lately with like the reactions that I give to negative people. I'm trying to breathe before I just ultimately get pissed or angry or like you said, mad. And I mean, it's, I think it's great that you're recognizing that kids, your kids have emotions and things and you're working through that. I, I don't want to say my parents were terrible at that, but sometimes I want to go back and analyze. Like I wish I could be my age now sitting in a room watching just being a fly on the wall. Yep. Watching how I was reacting to the way my parents were. And even God, there's even things that have stung lately with my parents. Like, and still, I think they're great people. I turned out for the most part, (laughs) a well-rounded human being and individual. Yes. Could they have done a ton of things better? Yeah, but even in adulthood. But there's no guide on being a parent. You you literally wing it. Like, seriously, like when I had my daughter, I looked to the nurse. I said, okay, where's the user's guide? Like, where's my manual? And she's like, what? And I was like, isn't there a manual with this? And she's like, no. Yeah. I'm like, oh, so I got to wing it, right? Fake it till I make it. it. It's a learn as you go. And every parent makes mistakes. No parent is perfect. And if parents say they are perfect. Well, they're probably the worst ones out there then because I make mistakes. I yell. I have a temper. Like I'm a very upfront in your face person. And my daughter is my spitting little image and I battle her daily. It's rough when you're looking at yourself and you're trying to fight with yourself and you're like, I'm getting nowhere. It's It's been very, I don't have a real good phrase for this, but entertaining watching you over the years with your daughter and watching your daughter grow into who she is now. Cause every once in a while I'll see her at work or something. I'll be like, I remember when you were a wee little. When you couldn't talk back, <laughs> when you did what you were told instead of walking around sassy, like you own the place. Oh, she does. And I'm like, I, I will joke with people. I'm like, she's for free. Take her. <laughs> she doesn't clean. I promise. And she can cook pizza rolls, but that's about it. But like I said, I think it's great that you recognize that with your kids. You're not weaponizing them. My my parents mainly, well, both of them weaponized the hell out of me during their divorce and through their relationships. And even now as an adult, I have kind of an estranged relationship with both of my parents. My Mm -hmm. mom only seems to come around every once in a while. Even when I reach out to her, it's very, she's very, she's a very resentful person. And she holds on to anger. And now she's reflecting onto you that it's your fault? No, no. I will just go talk to her and she will have something nasty to say about someone, anyone. And I'm like, I don't, I came here to talk to you. I don't want to hear about how this person's affecting you. See, and I am guilty of that too. I have, I do that a lot. And that's actually one thing that my ex told me. He's like, you... You are very hateful. And I realized that I had gotten to the point in my life that I was. I was very, very hateful. I still kind of am. I'm trying to get better. But there's still people that, like, I guess trigger me. I'm not, like, trying to jump into where I'm like, oh, that triggers me, like all the kids say now. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's certain certain things people can say to me 
especially like if people are being sexist or like talk down to people. I struggle with that. I struggle with that a lot. And that's when I get very negative and stuff. And I've been trying to not be that way because I used to be, it used to be really bad, especially when things were really, really bad with him and I, mm-hmm. I was anyone else's, you know, mishap. I would focus on instead of trying to fix myself and you learn, I guess, as you go. You do. Um, sometimes I wish sometimes like we're talking about being hateful and stuff. You can still have those emotions, but you don't have to share them all the yeah. time. There's, there's one thing that affects me like no other still to this day. And this was two, three years ago. My dad has had like, troubles with his cognitive thinking Mm -hmm. sometimes i'm wondering if he's in the early stages of dementia and then sometimes i'm wondering if it's due to malnutrition Mm -hmm. because the one thing that he is is he's been very enabled through his life through his female partners i believe like he he goes to work the typical male role comes home wants everything done for him Mm -hmm. you know and but god one thing he said to me and i don't know if he said it in an incorrect way but it will never leave my eye or my brain my brain (laughs) i remember he told me so i was like so what was your biggest and he was inebriated at this time Mm. i said what was your biggest mistake in your life he said having you (gasps) no yeah wow and that was extremely hard to digest but he followed it up with not that I don't love you and you've been the best thing in my life. I'm like, well, hang on. Those contradict each other. Yes, completely. There are two opposite ends of the, the spectrum your here. Your biggest mistake was having me. And then in the same aspect, you're telling me that no, like, did you say that thing? And no, you probably shouldn't have said that. And, and so now, now you're, you're like, trying um, to correct it. And he likened it to, well, it just tied me to your mom for the rest of my life. So and then that's pl- that's putting the blame on you and you're y- the reason he was stuck. Yeah. He's stuck with your mom. He's the one that made the choice. Exactly. And and it got me thinking like I am a really I'm like you, upfront, honest in your face, but I'm also like not everything needs to be said to people. Yeah. And that was one of the things I was like, well, I'm I'm glad he said it cuz I'm like you know start making sense now but and i still love my dad and i tell people that he said that and everyone's like oh my god i would hate my dad and i'm i'm almost like too forgiving at times well at the same time though like but i'm just like well you know that's how he feels i can't he still loves me but at the same time it's taken a lot to digest that sometimes i'm like maybe i need to go see a therapist (laughs) see and a lot of people will think that like kind of cast the blame on their kids for their spouse and it's like no you're the one that made that decision like and if anything finding my my spouse was the best decision I made even though it's I've had a lot of hurt like probably the most hurt in my life Mm -hmm. from everything because it it I am heartbroken over it but at the same time he gave me the three best things that mean everything to me that are my reason for trying the reason that I work like I do, the reason I do everything, like they will never 
be that. And I can see when, like, if you separate and then things are hard, it's like, well, they're harder because I lost more for this. And if, if that, if I didn't have them, then it wouldn't be a thing. But at the same time, like, in my opinion, they're the reason I go. They're the reason I keep doing what I do. They're the reason I haven't got fired yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, but I it's it. like, so I don't, I would never think that even though uh, like times are bad right now with their dad, mm-hmm. it's, it's the best decision I made because I got the things that mean the most to me and I would never change it. I would never change the bad times that I had with him because I got them. Yeah. Would I make it a little bit different so that they weren't impacted? Yeah. But it helped me become who I am. It helps me know who they are and because they're half of him. They, they literally, the attitude and all they got, I got me and him rolled up into three of them and it is, it's a battle, (laughs) but it's worth it. It's the best battle of my life. Well, and I like that you recognize that in your, that's that's a good example and that's part of the reason i wanted to talk with you about all this is to share it with people on how you don't have to do these traditional not traditional but these toxic roles that some people find themselves doing when they go through separations and Mm -hmm. things like that um because my parents were nothing but the most resentful ugly people to each other it's things fall apart yeah it's it's what happens when you things just fall apart. Why be nasty about it? Why spend the rest of your life being like, oh, this person did this to me. Like they did this and that. No, like all you're doing is fo- like that person's probably moving on with their life. Like they're not thinking about you 24 seven. Why would I be so upset about things that happen between him and I when I could just go on with my day? Yeah, I've looked at uh, all of my relationships in the past uh and then my current one now mm-hmm. and they're all like to me they're like chapters or like even some are like almost companion novels or yeah. something like that that and i think every one of them i look back at every one of them and the one i'm in now and it's like they're all they've all made me who i am mm-hmm. and i like to think that i've turned out to be a pretty good person I've seen mistakes that I made in my past relationships that I'm actively now trying to put forth in my new one to be like, okay, look at these toxic traits you, Marcus, did Mm -hmm. in these relationships. But there's going to be more. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's like you can learn from your mistakes and try not to do them again. But no one's perfect. And even if you're like, well, I'm not doing those mistakes again, there's there's other things. And when you get when you're with someone new, Things that were not hurtful in the past relationship are now hurtful in this one because everyone's different. Yeah. Everyone gets hurt by different things. Exactly. You have to like navigate your relationships and adapt. Adapt. Um, This is this relationship that I'm in now, though, is the one that I'm like, I've got to keep this one working because I'm like, you're 33, man. (laughs) (laughs) You can't keep like, Cause I get in, I never was one of those people that was like date around a ton, date someone for a month. Like I have a couple of those in the past, mm-hmm. but all of my relationships have been pretty lengthy and I just don't want to do another lengthy one and then have it crumble. So you have more experience than me because 
basically since I was 20. It's been my ex. Oh, wow. So, I mean, in high school, I dated plenty of people. Like, oh, I didn't even date plenty in high school. Though. Oh, I did. I think that's probably when I got my wild childness. <laughs> that's where I got all my dating experience from was high school and until I was 20. See, and I, I didn't. Like, I was in a dedicated relationship in high school, a dedicated relationship out of high school. When I, between those two relationships, though, I kind of became very sexually promiscuous like mm -hmm. between relationship one and the relationship that became the marriage mm -hmm. but not like dating to find out people who they were i was just like marcus is gonna do stupid stuff with people now <laughs> and you know how they see i had that before i had that before my kids dad mm -hmm. and then i have him we have the three kids that now i'm just like you just want to take me to dinner. Like, I don't. I don't want to do anything like that. No, let's just yeah. do dinner, and we'll just call that good. Is that good for you too? And don't come home with me either. Just yeah, stay away from me. No kidding. And I guess what I'm getting at though is like, I'm trying to, and and you're very correct because it's when you get with new people, you're navigating new waters, and everyone's different. But I'm trying to just actively be the best person I can to make this relationship work. Where I see a lot of people kind of repeat the same Cycle. old cycles and behaviors that get them in some of those positions. So like going forward, I'm trying to actively listen more, actively understand where someone else comes from, because in the past I could be a little bit like ignorant of facts and mm -hmm. just be like, eh, whatever, you know. So. Yeah, you'll get over it or you won't. Yeah. See, and I've noticed like I, people like personally too like just within yourself you have cycles too and um i got it got pointed out to me the other day that i have cycles that i go through and it's like i'll have it to where like i'm like yes i'm good i'm taking care of myself i'm happy and then it's like well what did you give up you know are you making a mistake and then it's a i'm throwing everything away what am i doing i'm gonna be alone forever no one's gonna want someone with three kids and then I'll be like, ah, who cares? And then I repeat it. And I just have this cycle that I go through. And I think that's very natural. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because like, so when people talk about the grieving stage of losing a relationship and stuff, it's like, I don't either. I haven't had time to do that or I don't understand because I've, he's been my relationship. Like I've had serious relationships and stuff like that outside of him. But majority of my like, growth years or whatever have been him and it's like I don't I don't know how to grieve it because it's like I'll sit there I'm like it's really it's really done and then I'm like but yeah it needs to be maybe you know what I mean like you have it to where it's like it doesn't it's like surreal but then like when I don't have the kids and I'm by myself I'm like oh it's real it's real I'm here by myself I remember the first day because me and the most current ex, when I decided to end the relationship, which usually it's them ending the relationship with me. <laughs> <laughs> so this was like a shoe on the other foot. Like me and my ex-wife, it was more her ending the relationship because I was kind of hanging on by a thin please, string. Please, like, please, Yeah, I don't want to be a statistic. There was a point when I was like, okay, fine, it's done. When she outright, like, just was 
blatantly lying to me when I had like the proof, I was like, okay, this isn't going to work because, and I didn't even care at that point. I was like, you're just, you're not being honest about the whole situation. So it's not going to work because you don't want to be honest going Mm -hmm. forward. So it was like, we got to end this, but I'll tell you like ending this last relationship, I would much rather be the person who gets broken up with (laughs) than to break up with people because breaking people's hearts is. And then you, you get guilt. Yes. Well, if if you have a heart, there are some people that break people's hearts and they're like, huh, next one. Those are called sociopaths. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to this book called The Sociopath Next Door. It's so interesting. 4% of the population's sociopathic. Yeah. And with being on the end that I'm the one that left, even though I tried to make sure like his home life was how it was basically. The only thing missing is me. Mm-hmm. And I still feel bad. I still feel like... I don't like hurting people. Oh, it's terrible. And like, I know that I've hurt him and everything, but it's one of those that you got to be like, is him not hurting and me hurting more important or him hurting for now and me healing and not hurting anymore and actually like being happy. Because for a long time I contemplated it and I was like, maybe I should just stay. I could live the rest of my life you know, miserable, not happy, as long as my kids had their whole family. Like, that's why it took me so long to leave is because I was like, I'll be miserable for them. It'll be worth it because then they'll have a happy home. And that, and then it's like you start watching them and them reenacting what you guys are doing. And you're like, even if I stay, it's going to stay like this and they're not going to be happy. And it's not, is it... Is it easier to break their heart really bad one time and then help them heal or to repeatedly break their heart every day? Yeah. No, I I couldn't agree. I, I resonate so much with you because the guilty conscience feeling that you get, mm-hmm. that's one that I've struggled with for quite a while. I'm finally kind of finding myself getting through the last phases of that. But wouldn't you feel more guilty if you didn't end it and you just kept faking it? See, th- you know there, I mean? there is the... Therein lies another problem because for about a year is what there was about a solid year when I realized I was like, started questioning it. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't, it's, it's making me content, but it wasn't fulfilling in Mm -hmm. that romantic way anymore. And what? I hate content. content. I used to get told all the time when I wasn't happy and I'd be begging for attention that he was content and I needed to be content too. I hate that so bad. No, I don't think don't it, be content you should in never a relationship. be content in a relationship. And I also realized I was like, I am not loving her the way she deserves Served, to be yeah. loved. And I fully will admit that I was, she did. And she will. Cause like I've said, she's amazing. She will find someone who is going to love her the way she deserves to yeah. be loved. And I wasn't doing it. So that was another thing that would make me feel guilty as well. Mm-hmm. But then in ending the relationship, there's that guilt that you, I think everyone. You get guilt no matter what. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. But it's, am I, I feel guilty for speaking my piece and, you know, saying someone else is out there that's better for you, that will give you what you want, what you deserve. Or am I going to feel guilty for stringing along and having you possibly miss that person mm-hmm. because I was too scared to flat out tell you, hey, I'm not happy. This isn't working. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that was, that was another, like I've mentioned to other people because I, I did this toxic thing where 
I was so afraid of being alone. Like I would just always make sure there was someone in my house, like mm-hmm. whether it was a relationship a friendship or something, because I have this thing about like, it must be um, like detachment disorder or something mm-hmm. like, so when I, I remember this vividly, when it really hit me that, oh, we're not together anymore was the day she packed up all her stuff to leave. Mm-hmm. And she lived here for a month while we were still, while we were separated, not dating anymore, you know, broken up. And to see her packing her things up was giving me extreme anxiety. And then I would go through, am I doing the right thing? Is, am I going to make it alone? Am I going to, am I going to go crazy? Mm-hmm. And no, you just go and do podcasts like this instead of going home alone. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, that there is some truth to that. Like, I love communicating with people. That's why I think I fear being alone so much. But I, the weird thing is, is you're a social person. But I never have fear of being alone out in the wild and stuff. It's always just in a structure. There's mm-hmm. got to be something in my psyche that's got something screwed up. With I that. don't know. I wouldn't want to be alone in this house. It's either. not. The, it's not the dolls. <laughs> that, that, that thing is staring at me this whole time. It has nothing to do I with do the horror not stuff. Like, no, I can watch it on TV. I wouldn't want to be alone in your house either. Nope. <laughs> nope. But I had to force myself and I'm so, I'm, this is going to sound like self-righteous, but I'm so proud of myself for being able to live alone. Yeah. It's I, hard. It, it is was, amazing that people can do it. Yeah. It, it's hard. But I was like, oh, like the first month I would have like panic attacks and I would like get really anxious. And then I would like call someone just to talk to anyone on the phone mm-hmm. or I would go on these aimlessly walking around the neighborhood with my dogs because so I truly never was alone because I do have my animals and that's kind of what I feel like I've never experienced like what you're going through yes you have your animals but like well every other week I experience what you're doing Mm -hmm. but other than that I have my kids and you're not alone oh you're never alone trust me with yeah you're never alone because they always I don't even know I sleep on the edge like the foot of my bed because they all claim my bed when they're at my house I'm like okay this is cute but when they're not there I've noticed I don't get home. I'm either working or hanging out with people until 10 o'clock at night. And then I go home and I lay down and I go to bed. And then I get up and I leave and I don't come back again. Gotcha. So I don't I don't really know what it's like to be fully alone. I, I would never say I'm fully alone here because I do have resources like phone, can call people, oh, things yeah. of that nature. But it was, like I said, I had panic attacks up to then. Then, then the first month was total hell but here it is six months later has it really been that long since april well i guess april may june july august september we're in october almost yeah yeah because it was right before it was like me and you somehow our lives like these events happen like at almost the same time well don't let too many people find out You'll be my next one. Yeah, the rumor mill with people. That that's oh. well, that was one of the major reasons I kept my stuff very private. I was like, I don't need like some there are people that will come up to me and be like, How's Lacey? Blah blah blah. And I'm like, Oh, she's good, but we're not together anymore. Yeah. They're like, What? See, for me, I'm not really well, everyone knows, like it it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's I don't care. But also at the same time, like people know that just because we're not together doesn't mean I'm going to be like, hey, hey, buddy, what's up? No, I'm like, Kate, yeah, you can still go away. 
Yeah. Have fun. Have fun elsewhere. So. No, and that ma- that makes sense. And where was I? Oh, just the alone factor. Like it's been nice to learn how to live alone, to know like if in the future to a spouse dying or any other like got to go be alone for two months here or any alone situations. I conquered that fear. I feel like. Yeah. You don't feel so like isolated. You find things to do and yeah, you're I, comfortable with yourself. Exactly. Basically. And I think you really, I think a lot of people stay in relationships as well because the fear of being alone and stuff. It is. A lot of people will stay married forever. Even if they're not happy, they'll live in separate rooms and stay married in the same house because they don't want to be alone. Yeah, I have this couple in my life. I won't drop where they live, anything like that, um, that I know that, and I don't know them very well, but I I am like a fly on the wall with a lot of things. I'm like a constant observer. I Mm -hmm. like just watching people. It's a little creepy, especially. Well, that's how I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I remember watching them, and this was another thing that got me thinking about my past relationship, and they were so visibly not happy with each other Mm -hmm. but just going back to the word you said content yeah but like visibly it was like there's you guys couldn't be farther from the love spectrum like you guys just look terrible see and it's it's harder to start over than just to keep going and so what does starting over look like for you for me Mm -hmm. uh scariness i don't know i don't See, that's the thing is I'm just trying to figure out me day to day and my kids. That's that's starting over is me just making sure they're taken care of. As far as like me personally, when they're gone, I I have no plans of anything. Really? I literally am like, and my ex doesn't believe this when I'm like, when I'm content by myself, like I don't need somebody. And he's like, you're a codependent person. You always need somebody. That's why you went and got a second job and stuff. I said, no, I went and got a second job because I didn't want to sit at home and just play on my phone and eat food. Like I wanted to get up and do something and extra money. Well, not extra money, but money. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, no, it's because you need to interact with people. And it's like interacting with people, it helps you forget but I'm, I am fine if I was single by myself for the rest of my life and I just focus on my kids. I don't have a desire to find somebody. I don't have a desire for any of that. I just want my kids happy and then that completes me. That's awesome. I mean, someone will maybe, I joke all the time with my daughter and say, one day I'm going to get a boyfriend. She's like, no, you're not. One day I will have a boyfriend. No, I'll scare him away. <laughs> one day, she's like, Mom, just stop. It's not going to happen one day. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Never mind. Not one day. But right now, that's I, li- I like that you say that, that your your kind of goal and happiness is just your kids. It is. And, I mean, that's that's admirable because a lot of people, I think, just when they have children – They'll focus on their kids, but they get right back out there playing the dating game and stuff. And sometimes I think that can be toxic to children. Do I think I'm too old for that? Isn't the cutoff like 20-something? To play the dating game? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go on Match.com here. I have never done like a dating website or anything like that. But I imagine. (laughs) And 
I've talked with my ex a little bit here and there about mm-hmm. her experiences with it. And it sounds horrible. I So I did. When me and my ex separated the first time after we had my daughter, I did a dating website. I did plenty of fish. And it would match you with people. And I kept getting matched to him. And I would call him and I would say, stay off of my, stay off of my page. Why do you keep popping up? I don't want to date you. I don't like you and everything. And that was the last time I did a dating thing because he kept popping up over and over again. I know he's on dating sites. He's been on dating sites for a while Mm -hmm. and that, and I'm like, you have fun with that. I'm not. Nope. I don't need to go catch nothing. I, yeah, I don't think I could do it either. I know. like, it's 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 less of a dating site nowadays and more of like a meat market or whatever. Yes, exactly. Like go get your syphilis meningitis over there. Like, yeah, that's not for me. And I don't. That's the thing is like when you date someone new, like there's so much stress in it. Like I don't. I got enough stress in my life. My kids are pretty stressful. Mm-hmm. I don't have like it would. Let's just say it would take someone pretty magical to come into my life because no one will really ever be good enough for my kids. And that's another thing too, is my mom dated different men all the time, brought them all around us. And a lot of horrible things happened in life. And it's like, no, not really anyone's good enough to be part of my kids' life. Like in that way. Yeah. Because it, I would never try to find someone to replace their dad. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, it's like, no one will be able to love my kids fully like I do. And if you can't love my kids more than I do, then you don't deserve to be in that position in their life. Hmm. No one's, it's rude, I guess, or cocky or whatever, but no one's good enough for my kids in that way. Well, I think that with time, you may find someone that surprises you. Yeah. And that's why I'm telling you, it takes some, some magical, there's probably a unicorn out there that's yeah. the man, but... It, I don't, because of the fact I have such high standards and requirements, I guess, in a way for my kids that I don't care to try to find that because I would rather them have just me and their dad than have a boyfriend and that person potentially treat them away or, you know, scar them farther than they're already scarred. Like they don't need that damage. Now, do I have friends that are male mm-hmm. that are part of my kids' life? Yeah. Well, everyone at work. Yeah. They all know my kids. They all love my kids. And it's like they can have those relationships. But someone that's there day in, day out, you know, morning, noon, and night with them, there are all these, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? It's not like saying like something like horrible, horrible, but yeah. even the way that they would treat them or the way that they would enter like this person would interact with me would that be just as bad as with their dad like would i would i be fall victim to the cycle and find someone that i fall back into the same pad like patterns with Mm -hmm. and that and that's my biggest fear too is i don't want to find somebody and it be the exact same thing so it's just not worth it I think with time and figuring out who you are, you may find that magical person. I don't want to call you a pessimist, but I think it will happen for you. I, but I don't care. But like, no. It, well, right now, right now, yeah. that's not my priority. Right exactly. Now, I'm like, it's not even on my, it's not even on my radar. And if someone comes along, great. But I am, I am fine 
with just my kids and me. Do you still talk to your parents? Do you still have I talk to my dad. I have an amazing relationship with my dad. My mom, no. My mom is, yeah, she birthed me. That's about it. She, I haven't seen her or talked to her in like three years. Oh, really? Yeah. Was there a final falling out with that that you... Oh, just her telling me how that she was... She, same thing your dad, but in not a... She was just... She never had me. Um, I am the most ungrateful, rotten person because she allowed a lot of things happen to happen to me mm-hmm. in front of her and everything that were very damaging. And it's a situation that if it ever, ha- ever happened to my daughter... I would be in prison, not sitting at your house right now. And so I called her out on it and said, you were too busy worrying about yourself. You couldn't even protect your kids. You couldn't even protect me. You literally fed me to people, basically. And you have no remorse. And she told me that I am basically the biggest piece of shit she's ever had in her life. I was the biggest mistake. She hates me. Everything like that. And I just told her, you know, I... I hope what you allowed to happen to me eats you alive. And I haven't talked to her since. I know that's really horrible to no, say. I don't think it's horrible. But for her, like, I want nothing to do with her. I, she knows, hopefully she knows nothing about me. And that, but my dad, my dad is amazing. My dad is my best friend. He watches my kids. He, he's funny. Like, he will, um... I try to keep him out of everything that's going on right now. Yeah. And so like when things start happening and I start fighting and stuff with my ex, then I kind of shut down and I stop talking to him and stuff. And he'll be like, I don't know what's going on with you, but you're not being normal. And like, we'll start like being like kind of accusing me of things and that. And I'm like, and I'll be like, Kate. And I'll lay everything out. Like I word vomit to him and tell him everything that's going on. And he's like, well, why haven't you told me? I said, because I don't want you in it. He's like, well, that's what I'm here for. And I'm like, well, I know you're here for me. You're here for my kids. And that's what I need. I just need to figure my life out. That's what I'm trying to do. And But he's always there. I can call him in the middle of the night. I can show up to his house and he'll be like, do you want me to cook you food? Yep. Cook me some food, Dad. That's awesome. I wish I, I wish I could say I still had a relationship with my parents that I could but you you lived with them right until you were 18 yeah i lived with my mom and dad they separated when i was about 18 17 18 um mom moved out and then continued to live with my dad till 1920 and then Mm -hmm. he lost the house through the divorce kind of like i think they both just let it fall through financially Mm -hmm. and everything and then there was a time when my dad lived with me at my place, which I will never do again. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> I I love my dad. At a distance. I could live with him again, but it would have to be a six million square foot mansion or something where he could have his own place on a plot of land or something. Mm-hmm. But he's also changed a lot because he's cognitively going downhill that's a very scary thing for me to try and process and deal with it. Like me and my sister are currently becoming like the parents for him. Yeah. And that's super hard. And I do realize that sooner or later, one of us will probably have to take like the mm-hmm. custodial role. You say not me. 
Dibs, not me. I tell Candace, if you're listening out there, I did it after he had his first stroke. (laughs) (laughs) I lived with him for two years. He was a little bit of a pain in the butt because he liked to tell me everything I should be doing with my house and didn't realize this is my house, not yours. (laughs) I think no matter what, that's how parents are. Because my dad, that's why he watches my kids. Yeah. So because he had uh, several strokes in one day and now he's legally blind. Oh, and no, that. Sorry. So he works at a gas station too, but he watches my kids. And he was gone a lot of my life, not by his choice, by force. And I have been with my dad since I was 16 when my mom kicked me out in the middle of the day or night, I should say, because I wanted to go see my boyfriend. They lived in a different state. Yeah. It, I got called a lot of things that night. So, but I went and lived with him. I was gone for a whole month. Like she thought she kicked me out and sent me out of the house and I went and hid in my car that my dad had given me that didn't run. So I was hiding under a blanket in there and I stole the phone because back then we had house phones and she broke my cell phone in half. So I got the house phone and I called my dad and I said, Hey, she kicked me out. I'm in the car hiding from her right now. Can you come get me? So he came and got me and I was with him for a month. And then he was still paying her child support and everything. Didn't tell her I was with him, nothing. And she called him a month later and was like, hey, by the way, have you heard from Haley? And he's like, what do you, what do you mean have I heard from Haley? And she's like, oh, she's just been gone for a little while. He's like, how long is a little while? She's like, oh, not that long, just like a day or so. And he's like, or a month? Because I've had her for a month. And so it's like, I've been with him ever since. So personal question, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. I never want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. But did your mom suffer from like uh, like a narcotic abuse or anything like that? Was she a drug user or anything? Yeah, so she loves narcotics and she's diagnosed schizophrenic. Okay. So I got the family jackpot there. Yeah. I, I resonate with you a lot. My dad was a... He was a... He was a functioning alcoholic. He wasn't terrible, but he was kind of like me. Weekends were like free game with the alcohol. And then he worked really hard. My mom, she, I always, it might sound insincere and very bad, but she was a doctor prescribed drug addict. That's what I always tell everyone. So was my mom. It was to the point that she burnt her house down. Mine wasn't that bad. Oh, she would throw herself downstairs. Like, so, you know, the Valances mm-hmm. and stuff, like back in the day, how they'd have the second rod spot. She would, uh, down in the living room, it was full of empty pill bottles, like lined the whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my mom, pharmacy at like so many pill bottles. Mm-hmm. I remember this vividly. And even now I was talking with my mom not too long ago and I was like, it was at my grandmother's, my grandma passed away. It was in the emergency room. And I remember talking to my mom and she was telling me how many Oxycontin she could take in a day or was taking in a day. Mm-hmm. And it was in the realm of, I believe, 14 to 18. And I was like, what <laughs> in the hell are you doing? You are going to kill yourself. Well, so my mom used to take and she would take the pill bottle. So mm-hmm. that she didn't have evidence. She would dump it into her pocket, like before we'd go on a car ride. Now looking back at it, I'm like, my mom was high the whole time we would drive from Colorado to Utah. Cause we every other weekend, middle of the night, we'd get up, load her in the car, and we would sleep. And we, she would drive to Utah every other weekend. Oh, wow. And she would take the pill bottle, dump it into her pocket, and as she's driving, she would just grab a handful, pop them in, 
keep on going down the road. See, I don't I don't remember my mom ever endangering my life mm. to those uh, regards, but she definitely was. And I have so much sympathy for her because she did suffer from a neurological disorder mm-hmm. and had an injury that is a very chronic pain injury. Yeah. And I'm watching this uh, Netflix series right now called Painkiller. And it like strikes a chord with me because it's about Purdue Pharma and Oxycontin itself mm-hmm. and how it was marketed and how many so so many people got addicted and ruined lives and stuff. But See, that's how you and I are different because you feel bad. I don't feel bad because it was a choice she made. Um, I don't re- recall her really having any big things happen. Like injuries or anything well, to get injuries that were not intentional Mm. to get them um i know like we we used to live in kearns and she uh backed out of the driveway gunned it hit the neighbor my uh threw me into the dashboard she didn't make us buckle that day she threw me into the dashboard uh both of my brothers broke their nose and one of them pushed a pencil through his nose and we all went to the hospital because she hit my neighbor and it was intentional because she wanted pills. Like I, um, when we would go to the doctor, like if I would have like an injury, cause I play a lot of sports and stuff. I went to the doctor and they were like, well, we're going to prescribe you this. And I was like, I'll take ibuprofen and Tylenol. And they're like, well, no, like we can give you like Tylenol, like coated Tylenol. I was like, no, I'll just take over the counter. Like that I can walk up to the counter and just buy i'll just take that no you you're gonna need something else like you have a pretty bad injury and i'm like well why would i take it she'll just take it instead and give me tylenol anyways she ripped me out of the doctor's office so fast like i had wisdom my wisdom teeth removed she would ration me ibuprofen and tylenol and take your and take my meds yeah so it's one of those things that it's like i don't feel bad for her because she she did it to herself. She would do anything yeah, see, to get it. From my perspective, I don't ever remember my mother doing any of that. <laughs> and I I respect both my parents in raising me. They had a lot of a lot of screw ups. Yeah. But nothing like that. But I, I don't know. So the thing I think the biggest thing and the reason that I have so much hate for her, because I do, I have a lot of hate for her, and it's uh with me going through everything I'm going through, with me, with the mental struggles that I have and stuff, it's a, uh, my kids make me want to be better. My kids are my drive. And it's like, I, I even asked her, I said, why was I not worth it to you? Why was I not worth you being better? Why was I not worth you being there and being present, taking care of me and protecting me? Like I was supposed to be your everything. And she's like, well, I was the best mom I knew how to be. And it's like, that's the thing is, if I was to pull that line and say, I'm the best mom I know how to be, I'd be just like you. Because that's the only mom I had. But I'm nothing. Like, I flat out tell her all the time, I'm actually happy you're my mom because you taught me everything I'm not supposed to be. And I am, do I have some anger? Like, where, like, they'll do stuff and then, like, you yell at them. Like, yeah, I yell at them. And I do snap and yell. But... Other than that, like, she was never there. And I go to everything with my kids. Like, at work, they hate me because I'll be like, hey, 
there's this little tiny class performance and I'm going to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so no, it's that, like, that's awesome. I do everything for them. Like I'm everything that I was like, I wish my mom did that. I'm like, oh, well, I'm doing it. Yeah, I, I had my parents in my life for certain events and things, which I'm sorry to hear that you didn't with your mom. It's okay. Um, but there's a line you just said that resonates with me is that you're glad your mom was your mom so you could learn how not to be a mom yeah. or something along those lines. Don't take anything positive from that. Yeah, but I I do the same thing. Everything I do in my life is because I want to counteract how my parents lived. They were not financially Learning responsible. Learning from their mistakes. Yep. So I'm such a frugal person and it, like, I am someone that I make sure all my I's are dotted, T's are crossed, and I'm like straight laced, like this has got to get done where they weren't. Mm-hmm. And so I was in this constant fear of, are we going to lose the house this month? Is Am I going to have to go to a new school? I remember times where I would actually like remind my mom to pay the mortgage, but then she, through whatever means she wouldn't have the money to pay the mortgage, which I don't understand why. I'm guessing the money was going elsewhere for other, other things. Other things. Um, but yeah, it was like I was almost starting to be a parent to them parent. when I was 13 or 14. I could do a whole podcast on that, which maybe I'll <laughs> do in the future. But yeah, I learned from a lot of my parents' mistakes and how not to complete them. And I like to think that if I ever become a father, that I'll do the same thing. Like I'll try and be extremely present in my children's lives. I will be supportive and encourage them everything you wish you like not saying your parents weren't there mm-hmm. or that they're bad but it's a uh, i try to be the parent that i wish i had yeah and do my kids hate it I, are there things that they probably wish i did yes are there things they probably wish i didn't do yes especially like i'm not a helicopter mom mm-hmm. but i'm also a very attentive mom and i'm like disrespect we had with parent teacher conferences last night. I'm like half of the stories that she comes home and tells me that she says to you, they really better not be said <laughs> because if so, like that's disrespect and I don't do disrespect. But then at the same time, it's like, I'm like super loving. I, I wish I had that as a kid. I wish I had it. And I feel actually like guilt gets to me now because my four-year-old who's the size of my 10-year-old, he didn't have the cuddle coddle stage. Because him and my other son are 15 months apart. And there were other issues going on with my older son. Like he has a sensory disorder and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to figure everything out with him. That my youngest kind of got pushed aside. And so now it's like when he's like, mom, can I, you know, mom, can I sleep with you? I'm like, yep. Because like he didn't get that. He didn't get the coddling. And at the same time, it's like, how long are they going to? be asking to sleep in the room with me like eventually the day's gonna come where it's not fun to sleep next to mom it's not fun for mom to hold you and to hug you and to give you kisses and stuff like that that day's gonna come and when that day comes it's gonna destroy me i luckily it hasn't happened yet yeah she's 10 it's coming i know it will hopefully it doesn't because like mommy daughter Hopefully that relationship stays like that forever. Like I wouldn't go crawl in bed with my mom right now. I'd crawl in bed with my dad and be like, dad, and like tell him all my sorrows. But yeah. Like for her, I hope it never happens. But I know my boys one day, they're going to 
look at me and they're gonna be like it's not cool to hug my mom it's embarrassing to hug my mom it's embarrassing to tell my mom I love her and I'm gonna be the mom that's over there it's like okay you don't want to tell me well I'm gonna let everyone know that I love you you know what I mean no, like that, it I totally... goes by so fast and so I I wish I was more attentive when they were younger and I regret it but you, now it just makes me extra more attentive and annoying to them very annoying but I love it well that's that's all awesome. I, I love to hear your story. I didn't know much about your background with your parents and stuff like that. So that's very insightful. And it's I can resonate on some planes with you on it. And then others, I'm like, wow. Are things starting to click on why I am the way I am? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. This there, there are things that have been brought to light that I'm like, that maybe makes a little bit more sense. But... I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, talking life, relationships, children, family trauma, all that stuff, because that's kind of what I wanted to get with this episode and being honest and upfront about things. I think that is one thing in society with like social media and stuff. We're all showing our highlights of our life. Yeah, it's not the truth. And then we're all hiding our like... The ugly. The ugly. Yeah. And then so it's hard for people, like they will feel like they're suffering alone with something or, you know, but in true reality, a lot of people are out there suffering. People are going through breakups. They're going, are going through the through same thing. They stuff. don't even know it. Yeah. And it's it's nice to for people to share short stories of struggle, um, stories of overcoming and things of that nature. No, I haven't overcome anything yet. You are. I'm still. I know, but it's it's still. I'm climbing Mount Everest still. I would I would say, I disagree, because just the pure fact to recognize that you were not making yourself happy, and that this relationship wasn't gonna work at this time for your children, and walking away with that, away from that, and trying to form a new life, is a huge overcoming of an obstacle yeah because a lot of people would rather just sit there and say that's too much i'm not going to deal with it well we'll see we'll see could check back in the year <laughs> well maybe i'll have you back on in a year and we'll go from there and we'll share even more of our yeah, traumatic just... childhoods and sure traumatic. <laughs> hey by that point we could bring my kids into it and be like okay hey, Let's hear your trauma, bud. Let's hear, <laughs> let's hear all of the trauma I put you through. And then I'll tell you my trauma, see if it matches up a little bit. No, you're you're a wonderful mother. I've seen you be a mother in person. And I do my best. Just by listening to you right now, I would say you're you're doing a great job. Thank you. So we will catch you guys all later. Thanks for listening. And as I always say, be happy, humble, and humorous, and be kind to each other out there. And a takeaway from this episode is we're all human. We all make mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Go on with life and just strive to be better than you were the day before. Good night.